Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good to see you. Welcome again to Cuyahoga Valley Church. And for those of you uh, watching online, we're glad you're here. Just so you guys know, we've got people from different cities, different states, sometimes even different places of the world, right now at 930, uh, joining us online. So uh, thanks for being here. We're glad that you're here and part of the community with us this morning. Hey, I don't know how many times this has happened to you, but uh, last week I had one of those kind of weird experiences. I woke up in the middle of the night and as I was kind of stirring around, as I was reaching up, I felt this arm in my bed, and it was too big to be my wife's. And I was like, whoa, this is really creepy. And I started feeling this arm, I'm like, what? You know, I started freaking out. I realized it was my own arm. <laughs> you ever done that? It was asleep. It had fallen asleep, so it was completely numb, right? And so it doesn't feel me touching it, but I'm touching it. I'm like, ah, it's my own arm. I'm going, this is not Rika. This is really freaking me out. And uh, whose arm is in my bed? I'm getting ready to jump up, you know, whatever. And some creepy dude crawling in my bed is hugging me. I don't know what's going on. Um, but my arm was numb. I didn't feel it. It, it wasn't functioning. It didn't, it's like it was attached to my body, but it wasn't functional. It wasn't vitalized. It was just there. And uh, I, I couldn't do anything with it. And of course, if you've ever tried to use a sleeping part of your body, like my arm, you know, you couldn't move it. I had to like do this and can't grab, can't do anything. And if, you, if you've ever had, had your foot fall asleep, you ever try to walk on that thing, like you're going down, you know? It's just when something's numb, it doesn't work right. And the reality is there's probably some of us here today that are a little bit like that, that we're attached to the body of Christ, but we're numb. And we're not functional. And we're not sensitive to the Lord's leading and prompting in our life. And, and we're not really much use in this numb state. And so uh, if that's true for any of us today, the good news is that it's not a permanent state. My arm eventually woke up and I could use it again. And if any of us are sleeping or numb in the body of Christ, hopefully after today, God could use this as a kickstart to get you going and flowing with how to be involved in the body of Christ. Now, some of you watching or that are here, uh, you might not even be part of the body of Christ yet. You're still spiritually exploring, trying to figure out what you believe. And, and my hope is that as we teach from God's word today, uh, you will hear this picture of how God intends for us to live together in community and be part of his body. And that he will use that today to draw you into relationship with himself as we teach through God's word. Now, we're continuing in this series called Right With God, and we're in this book called Romans. And uh, so far, we've been in Romans 1 through 11. We touched on 12 a couple weeks ago. We cracked it open. And, and just so you know, Romans, Romans 1 through 11 just builds this theological framework for us. It's like a foundation. But then there's a tone change once we get to Romans 12. And really what we see in Romans 12 is we go from like doctrine to action. We, 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 we go from like learning about some of the deeper theological things to learning how to live because of them. It's kind of like, man, how, how does what we believe inform how we behave? And so as we move forward, you're going to see that a lot of those deeper doctrines about you know, how God loves us and how to be made right with God through the death and resurrection of Christ and some of the other nuances that, that, that we've talked about for the last few months, how now we're going to see how they are lived out in our life as we keep going through the book of Romans chapter 12. And so I want to invite you all right now to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 with me. So open up your Bibles, or your Bible applications, Romans 12. And what we're going to do here is uh, Pastor Rick read Romans 1 through 2 a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're going to start in verse 3 right now and pick up where we left off in Romans chapter 12. And see what the Lord has for us today. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. 
For, and of course, this is the Apostle Paul speaking through the leading of God's Holy Spirit. For, by the grace given to me, I say, to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who acts does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its divine power. Thank you that it's living and active. Thank you that it's truth. God, we desire that that living truth now is not just something that interacts with our minds and hearts, but our very wills. God, change us, transform us, continue to draw us close to you, make us more like you. And God, today, as we look at what it means to be a member of your body, Lord, would you give us not just insight, Lord, but, but um, a desire to apply it and to bring action to our life. Lord, I pray for anyone here or watching that does not have a relationship with you, that even as they're listening here, Lord God, that you would move in their hearts and draw them into relationship and that they would understand and repent and believe in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. amen. Well, what we see here in Romans 12, 3 through 8, is, is really a, a description of what God has for us. It's just one of many places. And to help us understand it, I really want to tell you a tale of two members today, a tale of two members of Bo and Joe. And my apologies to any Bo's in the room. I don't know any Bo's. I literally racked my brain like, how can I pick a name that I don't know anybody and it's not common? So if your name is Bo, my apology, this probably does not apply to you, but it's just the name I picked. So without that being going on, let's talk about Bo and Joe. Now, Bo did not really believe in God and he was doing what many of us do. He was living life for himself. And he heard the gospel, that, that God loves him, and that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, and he can have forgiveness of sins through faith in Christ. He heard the gospel, and he um, responds. And what he does is he adds Jesus to his life, and he goes to church occasionally. He still wonders if he wants to get baptized. He tries a life group, but quits. It's just too, he's just too busy, and it was a lot of effort to try to connect relationally. He has never served in or out of the church. He has no idea what his spiritual gift is. He has a mediocre love for Jesus. He has a hard time loving others, but he does have strong opinions about what the church should and shouldn't be doing. Joe is or Bo is ultimately more of a consumer than a contributor in the church. And as far as being a member of the body of Christ, Bo is numb. He's numb. But then there's Joe. Joe did not believe in God and was living life for himself as well. He heard the gospel and he responded in faith. He surrendered his life to Christ, and he gets baptized. Not only is he faithful to being at church almost every week, but he loves being there. Joe gets plugged into community by being in part of a life group. He also learns that his primary spiritual gift is serving, and he joins the hospitality team. Joe finds great joy in helping park cars, greeting people, and being on the front lines of making others feel welcomed. His love for Jesus is strong. 
God has taught him to be more loving and patient with difficult people. And although he may have some differing opinions when it comes to things at the church, he's more excited about the church's commitment and effort to reach others for Christ and helping them grow in their faith. Joe is a contributor, not a consumer. And as a member of the body of Christ, Joe is vitalized. So the question today is, which one are you more like? Are you more like Bo? Are you more like Joe? Are you more numb today as you're sitting here when you think about the body of Christ? Or are you more vitalized, full of energy and zeal and zest and, and living the life that God has for you? Well, these three, I want to uh, go through three contrasts to help us understand whether we're a little bit more like Bo or a little bit more like Joe. If we're a little more numb and a little more vitalized. And the contrast we see as we go through this passage is this. A vitalized member is God-centered and a numb member is self-centered. All right, look at, verses, uh, look at verse 12, 3 with me again. For the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. None of us have ever done that, ever. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You know, two weeks ago, Pastor Rick talked about living a transformed and renewed life. We can uh, be, be renewed and transformed in our mind. And and our lives like a blank check that we give to God. And one of the things that happens is if we do live renewed and transformed rather than conformed to the world, then we're going to act upon the grace that God has given us. And we're going to act upon the grace God has shown us. And part of what's going to happen when we do that is that we're going to become more sober-minded in how we see ourselves. We, we start to measure and understand how to see ourselves in a healthy, spiritual light. A renewed mind will think soberly about the self. And as you start to see yourself as God sees you, you won't see yourself too big, nor will you see yourself too small. And here what we have is really a reference to self-centered thinking. And self-centered thinking tends to have us think more highly of ourself. And we can become arrogant, and we can become prideful, and we can become obstinate, and we start to have an inflated view of ourself. Pure pride, sheer pride. And God constantly through his word speaks against this pride in our life. It's a barrier. When you and I inflate our egos and allow pride to reign in us, it puts up a big barrier between us and God. It'll definitely take you to a place where you are numb spiritually. You know, one place out of many where he speaks about this, in Galatians 6.3, he says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We've all deceived ourselves with arrogant thinking in our life. We've all done it. We've always thought our way is the right way, that, that, that we have the best opinion, that we have the best course of action, that, that we're better than other people. This is something that just the human nature and the sin nature take us down that road. And so God is saying, don't do that. But we also know that along with being a person who can have an inflated view of yourself, if you're not careful, you can also have a deflated view of yourself. And that type of self-centered thinking leads you to think less of yourself, less than the Lord would want you to think of yourself. And you start to be deflated and insecure. This is where where God's grace confronts us and deflates our inflated ego. When we're deflated, God's grace comforts us and encourages us and lifts us. Psalm 3, 3 says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head which means that when we hang our heads in shame and we hang our heads in insecurity in Christ, when we start to see ourselves with sober thinking, he raises our head. He lifts our chin and looks us in the eyes and says, don't you forget how much I love you. 
Don't you forget how precious to me you are. Don't you forget how valuable you are to me. Just in the same way that when we start to get full of ourselves, he, he looks at us in the eyes and goes, who do you think you are? Don't forget who dad is, you know? And, and, and so we understand this type of thinking starts to reign in our life. Well, both types of self-centered thinking prevent us from obeying God and serving him joyfully. They'll lead us to a numb place, to be more like a bow. God-centered thinking helps us think of how God sees us as his beloved child, as a precious and dear one to him, as one who uh, went to the cross. Do you think about that? You were so valuable to him that he went to the cross for you. Like whenever you start to think about, and we, whenever it's that self voice or the voices of others or demonic voices that start speaking into your mind that you're worthless and you're nothing, you go, no, God loved me so much. He went to the cross, died on the cross for me and rose in the grave because of his love for me. That's God-centered thinking. You know, I've heard it said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I would take it a step further and say to be vitalized, to not fall into numb into a numb state, I'd say humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking more of God. If you see God for who he is, perfect, holy, righteous, magnificent, all-powerful, that, that God loves you, that he resolved the barrier of your sin by the death of Jesus on the cross and, and the resurrection of the grave, then you'll automatically start to think about yourself more soberly with good judgment. And you'll find yourself having confidence without conceit. We can have confidence in who we are in the Lord without being conceited about it. And so the bows of the church think more of self and less of the Lord, not with sound judgment, and leads them to the place of numbness. But the joes of the church think more of the Lord and less of self with more sound judgment, and it makes them vitalized. The second contrast that we can look at when we look, go through these verses is this. A vitalized member is also interdependent, and a numb member is independent. Look at Romans 12, verses 4 through 5. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. One of the word pictures that God gives for the church is the body, right? It's a body. And so when it comes to church, we have to think more about organism, not organization. We have to think more about a community, not a club. It's a body, not a building. And so when you hear the word member, and we see that word three times in this section of Scripture, when you hear the word member, we don't think of it in the sense of a club um, or some sort of a, you know, organization we align with. Like this last week, uh, we renewed our Costco membership, you know, paid our dues. Now we have you know, great access to discounts. You know, it's, that's not what we're talking about here. When you, when you hear the word member, you've got to think more physiological. You've got to think medical. The, the word member here is the Greek word melas. And it means to be a limb. It's a limb. You are a limb in the body. So just like your finger, hand, arms, whatever, we're, we're all parts of the body of Christ when we believe in Christ. And some of us are a, a knee, a leg, an arm, a spleen, a uvula. I don't know. You know, we, we all, we're everything. We, we, we come together. And we all have a specific purpose and a specific, a specific function that God has given us to use for the body. And so the biblical understanding of what it means to be a member is to be that limb, a functional, vitalized limb, not a numb limb that's asleep, okay? 
And so like the human body, we have all these different um, functions and purposes, but they're all designed to work together as one. You know, it's so interesting. When you read through scripture, whenever you encounter the word you, okay, you do this, you do that, all of you, uh, many times that word you is plural. It's not singular. A lot of times it's plural. And so a lot of the instructions that we see in scripture are for us as a community, for us as a body. If we were in Texas, it'd be y'all, you know? That, that's really the understanding of a lot of the you. Why? Because we're many members, but we make up one body. Of course, who's the head of the body? Christ is. Christ is the head. But we all get to be a member in this body. And so the bows of the church, the numb ones, operate independently as part of the body. Just think right now, if you tried to walk from here to your car, what that would look like if every single part of your body decided to act independently. I'm just saying, keep the phones on because we're going to get a million hits on YouTube quick. It, it would be a spectacle. And of course, we know in actuality that happens in the neurological and sometimes the muscular elements that sometimes the body does that. And we call that a disorder because when the individual members try to do their own thing, it leads to a disorder. Well, in the body of Christ, if we're all trying to do our own thing outside of what Christ wants, it leads to disorder. And so we are individual members of the body of Christ. And we don't want to be independent. God's called us to be interdependent. We all need each other. The Joes of the church understand this and learn to engage in an interdependent way. We're all uniquely different, we all, but we all need each other. Your strengths and your abilities complement my weaknesses. And my strengths and abilities will complement your weaknesses. And the person across the room from you that loves Jesus like you love Jesus, their strengths and abilities will uh, make up for your weaknesses. And your strengths and abilities will, will compensate for their weaknesses. This is how God's designed us to be interdependent. It's so foolish for us to resist community, to resist getting involved in the body. We're trying to become independent. It's like just taking a finger and lopping it off and throwing it across the room and go, hey, hope, you know, hope it goes good for you. It's like, that's not how God designed us to be. We're to be interdependent and connected. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 25 to 27 speaks to that. It says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Man, God's designed us to need each other to be interdependent. I love what David Platt, pastor, author, and president of our International Mission Board, said about this in his book, Follow Me. Some of you are going through that book right now. He says, being a member of a church means so much more than standing next to someone else and singing some songs once a week. Being a member of church means realizing that we are responsible for helping the brothers and sisters around us to grow as disciples of Jesus. In the same way, they are responsible for helping us. We desperately need each other in the daily fight to follow Christ in a world that's full of sin. Is that not true? And we need each other. I need you. We need each other if we're going to be faithful to Christ. That's how God has designed us. Now, that's lived out in two ways as we're part of the church. One, in the global context. When you come to faith in Christ, you're part of the global church, Big C Church, right? And so we are part of a very very big family all over this world. And so we, we get excited when we see and hear what God's doing in other cities and states and other places in our nation and other places around the world. 
and we rejoice with that. But we're also grieved. We're grieved by hearing what some of our brothers and sisters in Christ are going through, how they're suffering and how they're being persecuted in other places of the world. And so we can't forget them. Just like if, if, if you hit your finger with a hammer, it hurts, even though it's on this side, your whole body knows that's hurting. When we, when we see and hear about the persecution and pain of our brothers and sisters in Christ, man, what can we do to help them? Can we pray for them? Is there something we can do to resource them? Like, like that's part of being the global community of faith. It's so cool that when, when you travel and you meet other followers of Christ, you're instantly kin, you know? It's so interesting. This morning, uh, there was a guy here that showed up. I met him... Uh, I don't know, nine, 10 months ago, I was on an airplane flying to Dallas and we chatted up a conversation and I just told him, you know, hey, I'm at this church and da, da, da. He just showed up this morning. You know, his sister is, is battling cancer. She's in a bad way. He came to visit her and he stopped by the church. You know what? We're brothers in Christ. And, and as he was choking up in tears about what's going on with his sister, he was amongst family this morning. And to be able to put a hand on him and just pray for him, encourage him. Like I've met the dude once on an airplane, but we're part of this big family, the Big C Church, but we're also part of the local context church. When you, when you study the New Testament, you understand that the, the instructions that we have in scriptures can't all be practiced globally. And so we have to find ourselves um, rejoicing in the local context of church, and that's obviously why we're here. And so we look at some of the, the, the churches that gathered in the New Testament. They gathered in people's homes and certain cities and certain regions. And they were committed to those local gatherings. And God gave them pastors and elders to shepherd them and to teach them and encourage them and protect them. And if needed, to discipline them and to correct them. And such as we see in uh, Matthew 18 with church discipline or uh, removing those who are unrepentant of sin, like we see in 1 Corinthians 5, or submitting to leadership as we see in Hebrews 13, or caring for one another and bearing one another's burdens as seen in Galatians 6. All these happen best in a local context. Like you take some of those passages, if we were to try to live those out globally, it'd be really weird. It'd be really weird if all of a sudden I got an email from some guy over in Arkansas who had some beef with the way a Christian was treating him, and he wanted me as a pastor to come deal with it. I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know this dude. I have no context. You need to go to your local context to have that worked out with the spiritual leadership there. You know, uh, the, the, the scripture tells us that if a brother's caught in sin and unrepentant, and we, and we go to him and go to him and go to him, that, you know, if they don't repent, we're, we're to tell, tell the church. Well, does that mean if, 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 if we don't have a, a person who's going to repent, that we, we just post that on the internet for everybody to see, you know, the global church? It's like, no, there, there's local context. And so although we don't see a command in Scripture to be part of a local church, it's clearly implied and it's clearly demonstrated all through Scripture. And so as a member, a limb of Christ's global body, becoming a member or limb of Christ's local body is committing and contributing to the body of Christ to ensure that the local expression of Christ's body is healthy and strong. Membership in this context uh, is saying, I will connect here. I will live out the commands of Christ here. I covenant with this group of body of Christ and I commit to these people and to do life with them and to serve together and to invest in what God's doing and building his kingdom here and to protect the church from the shifts in the culture and to go on mission together with this community. That's what it means to become a, a member, a limb in a local context. 
In his book, I'm a Church Member, Thomas Rayner tells a story. We have these books available in the Information Center. They're like 10 bucks if you want to get one. They're, they're really helpful in helping understand meaningful membership. Uh, Tom Rayner talks about an older Christian who was mentoring him in the faith. And part of that discipleship was learning what it meant to be a member in the body. And he says this, Bob took me under his wing. And when I would begin to get angry, frustrated, or discouraged about something at the church, he would talk to me. He would explain that no church is perfect. I hope you all know that. No pastor is perfect. I hope you definitely know that. No church member is perfect. And he would gently remind me that I was not close to perfect either. (laughs) He told me that we, we were to find joy in serving the church and those in the church. We were not a part of the church to see what we could get out of it. We were part of the church to serve and care for others. Our perspective should always be on giving, not receiving. And if someone did something that disappointed or frustrated us, that was God's way of telling us to pray for that person. And what a great healthy understanding of what it means to be a member, a limb of a local body. Now, the bows of the church are freaked out by formal membership. It means commitment. It means accountability. It means getting out of the foxhole and getting into the battlefield. It means being interdependent rather than being independent. But the Joes in the body embraced the role as a member of Christ's body and even formalizing it in the local church. And they welcomed the opportunity for ownership in the church and to be informed and to influence and to invest and to serve. And we believe in what God is doing around this world. And we believe in what God's doing in our nation. And we believe what God's doing in our own state, in our own backyard. We believe what God's doing in Northeast Ohio through his body, through his church. And we believe what God's doing through this local expression of that body by inviting people to new life in Christ. And so we want to invest. We want to be dedicated to that. So I encourage you not to be satisfied with being an independent visitor or regular attender, but be an interdependent member or limb in this local expression of Christ's body. To be all in with inviting people to new life in Christ and obeying the Savior's commands to love him with all of our being and to make disciples. And so I just encourage you to process that. And for those of you who are hearing this that aren't in relationship with Christ yet, it's probably a scary, wonderful thing to understand. That first, you, you, you personally get to take care of business with the Lord by embracing him and, and learning to, to let him into your life and to, to follow Christ and be dedicated to him, but then also to become part of this family, this team, to be adopted in and to, to see what gift he has in you and what the gifts are in others and how you interdependently work together. And so in Christ, you can experience vitality, new life by being interdependent, but you're going to be numb if you try to be just independent as part of this body. And the last part of the contrast we see here in this passage of scripture is that a vitalized member uses their gift and a numb member neglects their gifts. Look at Romans 12, 6 through 8 with me. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us, what's the word? Let us what? Oh, come on, guys. Let us what? Use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know, when we look at the places where we find the spiritual gifts in Scripture, we find them here in Romans 12, and we find them in 1 Corinthians 12. And we don't believe that those are probably all the gifts. This is probably not an exhaustive list that we get when we take, combine those two. But here we have seven of them here. And, and here's the thing. All of us have at least one gift. And, and the spiritual gift is that supernatural ability 
that God has given us, or abilities, might, you know, probably more than one, that God has given us that are activated, that, that, are, that are turned on when we come to Christ. And they're designed to be used to benefit the body. They're not, they're not just ours to have and go, ooh, look what I have, you know? We're, we're supposed to use them to benefit the body. And so even these gifts seen in this passage, they're speaking and serving gifts. Like, like for example, you've got prophecy, which means to speak forth, to make known the truth of God and to influence and direct others. Uh, this isn't really a foretelling about what's going on in the future. This is a forthtelling. This is relating to God's word. And people with this gift tend to be bold and articulate. Uh, then there's the serving gift, usually service of any kind. If you're one of those that are like, man, don't you ever put me in front of a group of people, but man, whatever you need behind the scenes, I'm your person, you probably have the gift of serving. You like behind the scenes and practical help. People with this gift tend to be faithful and loyal. You've got the teaching gift. This involves studying and analyzing and then proclaiming God's word. It's an ability to communicate with listeners and bring understanding and application. People with this gift tend to be systematic and clear thinkers. You've got the gift of exhortation. This is also known as the gift of encouragement. This is where we build up others through encouraging words or encouraging action. And a lot of people that have this gift are people that tend to be motivational and refreshing. When you see them, you just, oh man, it's just refreshing to you because they encourage you. Maybe, maybe your gift is contributing. This is the gift of giving. Those who are compelled to joyfully and generously share from the resources God has given you. Uh, then we've got leadership. This is the gifting to manage and guide others, to give direction and lead by example. People who have this gift tend to um, be organized and manage others well. You've got the gift of mercy. This is one who's typically sympathetic, especially to those who are hurting. And you're, you're drawn to help bring care and comfort to those in need. And people with this gift tend to be very caring and compassionate. And this is just a sampling of the gifts. If you want to know more about the spiritual gifts, I highly recommend going back to our teaching series from February of 2013. We did a three-week series called For the Common Good. You can go back and watch and listen. You can do the study guides related to those. Uh, we've got a spiritual gift assessment online. If you're sitting here going, I have no clue what my spiritual gift might be, go online at CVC through the mobile app or through the web and find the spiritual gift assessment and just answer those questions honestly. And you might get an idea of what gift or gifts God has given you for the use of the body. A great next step would then be go onto the online serving form and go, where can I use these gifts? And go online to the online serving form and look at all the areas of need that we have. It, it takes a lot for a body of our size to function. And so, man, we can use all the help we can get. We, we, we need you to employ your gifts. And when I'm talking about that, I just want to give a huge thank you. A huge thank you to all of you who are using your gifts. There are people right now back in the booth, downstairs, different rooms, out in the foyer, that are just using their gifts. And because of those of you who are using your spiritual gifts in this body, People's lives are being changed. People are coming to Christ. People are growing in their faith. People are being encouraged. And so thank you. Thank you for all that you do to help invite people to new life in Christ and help them grow. And thank you for being vitalized. And thanks for being a Joe in this church, if you will. And so we need to, um, as 2 Timothy 1.6 says, fan this gift of God in us into flame. And so the bones of the church, man, they neglect their gift. They might not even know their gift. They have no interest in finding it out. They have no interest in using it. But the Joes, the vitalized member, get busy with their gifts and using them. You know, I like what late pastor and author Ray Stedman said about pretty much all that we've talked about today in relation to Romans 12. He says, who am I? 
I'm a son of God among the sons of men. I'm equipped with the power of God to labor today. At the very work that is given to me today, God will be with me, doing it through me. I am gifted with special abilities to help people in various areas. And I don't have to wait until Sunday to start to utilize these gifts. I can do it at my work. I can do it anywhere. I can exercise the gift that God has given me to do as soon as I begin to find out what it is by taking note of my desires, by asking others what they see in me, by trying out various things. I'm going to set myself to the lifelong task of keeping that gift busy. Ray sound like a vitalized part of the body of Christ, a Joe, if you will, in the church. You know, as we, as we land and try to apply what we've looked at today, I just want to invite up a friend. Uh, I just want to talk with for a couple minutes in relation to what we've talked about today. Some of you have seen Shola before. Uh, he's a, a member of our body. He's, he's a, uh, come on up, Shola. He's, he's, he's regularly serves. Um, yeah, you give him a hand. It's okay. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Shola, you, you've been here at CVC for a while. Um, how long have you been part of the global body of Christ? <laughs> well, I grew up in Christian home, and um, my parents took me to church. It was towards the end of my high school that I realized that I was just following the motion, doing what my parents wanted me to do. And I realized that I needed to make it personal. So I gave my life to Christ over 25 years now. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And how long have you guys been a member of this local body of Christ? It's going to be five years next month, October, that's awesome. five years ago. Yeah, we showed up right around the same time. That's right. But I think my first Sunday was like his first Sunday. We were walking around the hall. I was like, hey, I keep seeing you. And it was, it was great. Well, we've talked about um, you know, being this member, being this limb in the body of Christ. And as you've been here these last five years, and of course, you know, the other 20 years on top of that, um, how do you feel like you've been blessed to contribute to the body? What, what do you feel, how do you feel God's used you in the body of Christ? Well, one of the things, um, when I came to CVC, um, we felt God wants us to be here. And um, I love to worship. So I joined uh, the worship team, the choir, um, to start with. And not too long after that, I think about three years ago, Specifically, I felt God calling me to area of praying, you know, so I found out the prayer team, they meet on Wednesday, and I started attending the prayer team to pray together. That's great. Yeah. Also, you know, we do receive benefit for being part of the body. We do receive the, the blessing of others using their gifts as we're a part of the body. How do you feel like you've been a recipient of God's gifting in other believers as you've been part of the body? Well, over the years, there have been so many blessings I can say I've received. So I will give a different one to the last service. <laughs> Recently, that's, that's great. Um, I have a need, and I did share that with the people that we prayed together, and they prayed for me over that issues. They gave me counsel. Those who know who I can talk to, they sent me to them. And throughout the time, they were praying. So when I came back, and I told them what God did. They say, I know, because we're praying and God is able to do it. Uh, so I felt really prayers. supported, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, you also lead a life group. We believe that one of the great ways to be plugged into community is through our life groups. And so um, you've been part of life groups for, for years now. Um, how has a life group context help you grow and feel like a vitalized part of the body? Yeah, one of the things is I sit on that side most of the time in um, the last four years. I don't know most people in this church. 
But the few people I know are the people that we have done life together. Either we are in the prayer team together, maybe in the worship or the choir, or on a mission trip together. Those are the people that I, I can call on. They know me, they can call on me, and I can call on them when you know, I need some support, I need some help, and vice versa. So it's difficult to know everybody in the, in the service, but through the life group, you know, the mission trip, I knew a few people, and then we can support each other and I get some support. From Sounds that. like you've experienced what we've heard many here have experienced, which is caring community. It's one of the yeah. ways to make our larger family feel a little smaller. So. Yeah. And you lead a life group. And so uh, tell awesome. us a little bit about the group that you lead. On okay. Well, I've been in the prayer team for over three years now. We meet every Wednesday night, 7 p.m., prayer room or room 104, every Wednesday night. Um, there's also a prayer team, 6 o'clock in the morning, if you can't make the evening, 12 midnight on Wednesday. So that's a rhythm that goes on. So every Wednesday night, we meet for prayer, to learn to pray, to learn to seek God's face, to pray for the church, to pray for some of the prayer cards, to pray for the city, for the nation, and for the world. So it's quite diverse prayer that we do. It's a place where people can come learn to pray. It's a place where people who are called to pray to come and join forces with other people to seek our Heavenly Father for many things that we need to seek Him for. Well, we're very grateful for you and for the others who've been faithful to pray. And, and if, you're, if you're here or you're watching and you couldn't show in person today, and, and you're looking for a life group this semester that would really grow you spiritually, and, and maybe you feel like you don't know how to pray. I just feel clumsy when I pray. I don't know how. Prayer is one of those things that really has done well to catch. It's better caught than taught sometimes. And so maybe this next semester, you know, Wednesday nights at 7, be part of the prayer life group and say, I'm just going to be with people praying. And, and your prayer life will grow, I guarantee you, if you're part of that group regularly. And so thank you for that. And speaking of prayer, uh, before we close out here in a minute, would you just go ahead and say a prayer for our church and, and, and bless us as part of the body? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time of challenging us to discover our gift mm. and to use our gift for your praise and for your glory. Lord, you have called each of us and you have given something specific for us to do. We pray you help us, Father, to know exactly what you want us to do. And even when we don't know, Father, yet, we pray that you will send somebody along our way who can direct us, who can be somebody who can guide us into what you have called us to be. We pray that this church, CVC, will be known as people who are vibrant, who are vitalized, filled with your spirit, who have the fire of the Holy Spirit in their bones, and who are ready and willing, obedient to go forth and do what you have called us to do. We ask for this and many in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Well, there's several different things you can do um, as, you, as you take and process this portion of Romans 12. Uh, for some of you, maybe you just need to be praying. Like, God, I, I've been numb. I don't feel vitalized. And I'm a little bit more like a bow than a Joe. And, and so, God, work on my heart. Maybe just spend some time in prayer and ask God to resuscitate, to wake up. Um, that numb part of your life. For some of you, maybe a life group's really what's next. You, you've been avoiding community, man. You just weren't designed to be in isolation, to be independent, but to be interdependent. And so we have Group Connect, you know, today and, and also next week. It's, it's time to get a life group and just give it a go and, and use the gifts God's given you.
Be the recipient of the gifts of the other members of the body. Maybe for some of you, it's formal membership. Hey, I've been coming here for a while, and I just realized I've never really said, hey, this is my, this is my team, give me a jersey. And so you just want to formalize that. For some of you, you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. Man, go to, go to the online assessment and, and prayerfully engage the assessment. Look for what your gifts might be. And then right after that, find a place to serve. Maybe some of you haven't ever served in the church or outside the church. Just That would be a great next step. You know, a lot of you are you know, praying. You know, we're together, we're praying for thousands of names right now, people who don't know the Lord. Some of those people are coming to Christ. Don't stop praying. Um, man, be praying for them that God would draw them into his body, into his family. Maybe that's you today. That, man, you've never been in relationship with Christ and and. This, this, this picture of this body is so compelling to you. Man, we want you to be part of the family. We want you to be part of the body, but you just have to get right with God first by believing in Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave for your sins. And so you can even do that here this morning by just saying, Lord, I believe that. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. I believe you love me. I want to follow you. I repent of my sins. I'm tired of living for myself. I'm going to live for you. I believe I follow today. Any of those decisions that you make, any of those responses that you give, would you, would you share that with us, please, before you leave today? And you can email in at connect CVC online. You can turn in a response card here as we receive our offering. And just let us know what God has done in your heart. Lord, again, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done. Lord, help us to think soberly about ourselves. Lord, not to be self-centered, but God-centered in our thinking. God, help us to be interdependent, Lord. We need others. Forgive us, Lord. We confess that far too often we're just independent. We try to be individualistic instead of embracing community and being interdependent. God, move us in that direction. God, forgive us for neglecting the gifts you've given us, this beautiful, amazing gift or gifts, and they just go unused, dusty, on a shelf, in a box somewhere. God, may we learn to know them and use them. Lord, help us to be vitalized, not none. In Jesus' name, we all sit together.